as Swang, the flesh-eating boogeyman of the Philippines. Don't go out at night and leave on a light. Hang garlic by the door and leave salt on the floor to ward off an attack from the Aswang. It has no motive, only intentions of evil. It randomly and frequently feeds on the flesh of young people. This is the way of the Aswang. It may be a bird with beady eyes or a black dog that constantly increases in size. The terrifying, hungry Aswang. It lurks in the shadows, persistent and wild, in its search for a tender, delectable child. It will be the end of many, the Aswang. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week, we are discussing a beast of the Philippines, the Aswang, a powerful, sneaky, hungry creature that has terrified the entire region for centuries. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R r-i-o-n at gmail.com you can also follow me on twitter instagram or facebook for information on future episodes bored and lonely that pretty much summed up my summer break so far my friend becca always spends the summers with her dad in bakersfield which is way too far from modesto for an impromptu sleepover I was pretty much resigned to watch all my favorite anime series over again, to while away the days until school started back up. That was until our new neighbors moved in next door in late June. I am not a creeper by any means, but when I saw the big moving truck backing in, I couldn't seem to pry myself away from the window. This is what happens when you spend too many hours alone. You start acting like that creepy neighbor you see in scary movies, just barely peeking out from behind the curtains. From what I could tell, they seemed to be a family of four. A dad and mom with two kids. The boy was tall. At first I thought he was an adult until I saw him seem to be arguing with his younger sibling. A girl with long dark hair who looked like she might be close to my age. This was an exciting turn of events. Maybe I could work up enough nerve to introduce myself after they settled in. My summer might be saved yet. The next morning, I watched out the window to make sure that the unloading part of their move was over. I didn't want to get in the way and seem a nuisance. First impressions aren't everything. 
but I wanted mine on them to be a good one. While I waited until what I thought was a proper amount of time had passed, I called Becca and told her about my new neighbor. I was a little scared that she would be jealous, but to my relief she got excited. I promised to call her back and fill her in on all of the details after I had met them. At 11 o'clock on the dot, I opened my door and made my way across the street trying not to skip because of course this would seem way too eager and would give the wrong impression. As I raised my hand to poke the doorbell button, the door swung open. Standing in front of me was the boy. He was probably technically an adult because he looked to be at least 18 or so. I was right too. He was tall. Of course, a lot of people are tall to me because I had been five foot two for the past two years. It took me a minute to gather my words because I was immediately distracted by his eyes. They were so red and bloodshot. He had to have either been up for days or just smoked a blunt. I heard that term in the movies. I don't smoke. So after an awkward moment of silence, I introduced myself. I just made it real short and said, Hi, my name is Corey. I live across the street. I wanted to say welcome and to see if I might be able to show your sister around. He didn't reply directly to me. He looked me up and down. A little creepy, I thought, but then he yelled over his shoulder, Althea, you have a visitor. I heard a girl reply from farther back in the house. I don't even know anyone here. But then I heard a door slam and footsteps approaching. When she rounded the corner, I was surprised at how petite she was. She was thin and a couple inches shorter than me at least. I put on my best smile and introduced myself. Hi, I'm Corey. I live across the street. I thought I would see if you wanted to hang out sometime. We have a pool and I hate swimming alone. She looked at me with a furrowed brow, but her face slowly transformed into a slight grin. Sure, that would be fun. How about tomorrow afternoon? I have to finish unpacking and setting up my room today. I nodded and we agreed on meeting at noon. After I said my goodbyes, as I made my way back across the street, I realized that they must have exhausted themselves during the move because her eyes were almost as red as her brother's. Later that evening, as we sat around the dinner table, I told my parents that I had invited Althea, the girl next door, over. My mom was happy to hear it. She had been worried about me spending so much time alone this summer. My dad hesitated, but then he said that it was fine, but that we needed to stay in the house. I didn't tell him that we had planned on swimming. My dad can be a little overprotective. But then he continued and said that a young local woman had been attacked and severely injured the night before. The police said she had been carrying in her groceries when she was surprised by someone hiding in the shadows. The attacker had taken several bites from her neck and shoulder, causing her to faint. 
When she came to, they were gone, but she had to be rushed to the hospital. Apparently, she had been five months pregnant, and the stress of the incident had caused her to miscarry. It was a sad and scary story, but I also knew that my dad was paranoid when it came to the safety of his only child. I was excited and a little nervous for tomorrow, so I had a hard time falling asleep. I lay there for a while thinking about how to impress this new girl and finally realized what Becca would say, that I just needed to be myself. With that as my last thought, I finally drifted off to sleep. I got up the next morning, just as Mom was leaving for work. She gave me some money to order pizza for lunch, kissed me on top of my head, and then she sped out the door. I spent the morning tidying up my room and preparing some snacks before my guests arrived. I made my favorite, some salty Czechs party mix, and added some peanuts and M&Ms to make it more fun. The doorbell buzzed just before 12 o'clock. Althea was carrying a beach towel and wearing her swimsuit with a cute sundress as a cover. We seemed to have similar taste in clothing, so that was a good sign. The green dress flattered her olive skin and dark hair. She would have looked like she stepped right out of one of those K-pop videos, except her eyes were just as red as they were yesterday. She said that they had been up most of the night, working on the house, and that her parents were still in bed. Poor girl, and here I made her come out and socialize. But selfishly, I didn't want to tell her to leave, so I didn't say anything. The sky was strangely overcast, unusual for this time of year in California. But still, we spent the entire afternoon swimming and talking about music and anime. We seemed to both be into all the same things. Becca would be thrilled. It wasn't until we got out of the pool that things got weird. We went up to my room to change into some dry clothes. Althea insisted on changing in the bathroom. No big deal. I guess she's shy. While she was still changing, I lit my two favorite scented candles. When she came back to the room, she refused to come in. She said that she had asthma and couldn't handle the smell of the candles, so I blew them out. I showed Althea my collection of DVDs, and while she was looking through them, I went to get the snacks that I had prepared. When I came back, I offered the Chex Mix to Althea. Without even looking, she stuck her hand in to grab a handful, but yanked her hand back and screamed in pain. Almost in tears, Althea exclaimed that she was allergic to salt. For the day to be going so well, it abruptly had taken a turn for the worse. Suddenly, Althea seemed to shift from hurt to angry. Her eyes darkened until the red seemed to be crimson. She said in a low, growling voice, We moved here from Manila to get away from people like you. Do you really think you can trick me? You will be sorry for this. I felt terrible, but I didn't understand what I had done wrong. Later that night, before climbing into bed, 
I pulled back the curtain, recalling the last exchange that I had had with Althea. As I peered over into the neighbor's yard, I saw something very strange. Althea's brother was climbing into the driver's seat of the family car. As Althea opened the back door, to allow two large black dogs to jump into the back seat. I don't think I had ever seen a dog of any kind that large. And I don't recall seeing or hearing any dogs when I was over at Althea's the day before. And where were they headed so late at night without their parents? This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters, murder, mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the roaring 20s. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play with my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Be home before dark, or the boogeyman may get you. How many of you heard this as a child? I know that I did, more than once. My first nightmare was a creature grabbing me by the ankle and dragging me under the house, and I was pretty sure that that was the boogeyman. In even the most remote locations in the world, you will find a boogeyman in just about every culture. In the Philippines, that boogeyman is known as the Aswang. What is the Aswang? It is the most feared creature of Philippine folklore. The Aswang is a humanoid, flesh-eating shapeshifter. It is said to be a combination of a werebeast, a vampire, a ghoul, and even a witch. During the day, the Aswang is most commonly a woman but its most notorious forms seen at night are that of a dog, a pig, a bird, or a cat. During the day, Aswangs appear as regular townspeople, though they may be observed by others to have reclusive habits or even magical abilities. At night, Aswangs shift into eerie predatory forms and go hunting for human prey. Preferring to feast on children, the sick, and pregnant women above all else. No matter which animal form it takes, an aswang will differ from a regular animal in various disturbing ways. Most aswangs have long reptile-like tongues used to suck fetuses out of a mother's womb 
and are frequently described as walking with their feet backward. They have also been depicted as being so thin that they can hide behind bamboo posts. The Aswang has many special abilities, but its most dangerous is its ability to live and walk amongst unsuspecting neighbors in the community. During the day, they look like regular people. Although they are generally shy and reclusive, they can also have jobs, friends, and even families. It is the perfect disguise and the perfect way to stalk its victims. The wide variety of descriptions in the Aswang stories make it difficult to settle upon a fixed definition of Aswang appearances or activities. It is during the night that the Aswang shifts into its hunting forms. Different regional versions of the creature are said to take different forms. The Tic Tac and Wack Wack become large birds, the name derived from the sound that they make, while the Zigbin, sometimes described simply as a companion of the monster, takes on the form of a Tasmanian devil. The Aswang's superpowers are on full force only at night. Once the sun goes down, their terrifying abilities are unstoppable. They are said to have superhuman strength after the sun goes down. They have the ability to trick people, using their vocal cords to sound like animals or even someone you may know. They also have the ability to transform into the appearance of other objects, such as turning a plant into the doppelganger of their victim. While researching the Aswang, you will find that none of the descriptions or characterizations match completely, making this evil beast somewhat of a mystery. Aside from the various animal forms, the Aswang may also appear with scales or feathered wings in many other forms. Its hands are usually clawed and its mouth full of razor-sharp fangs. The Aswang's hunting prowess is almost as frightening as its ability to hide itself in plain sight. They often appear at funeral wakes or at the bedside of a pregnant woman to eat. The Aswang has all the capabilities of a lethal and effective killer. It can shapeshift into different creatures and objects, appear like your average person by day, and has the super strength to overpower its victims. It is no wonder that it's the most feared monster in Philippine mythology. Most have been associated with women, probably because of their long dark hair, which they use to cover their bloodshot eyes. Because an Aswang can be hidden amongst us, it is important to know how to detect one. An Aswang may be hard to detect, but it doesn't mean it's impossible to tell their real identity. An Aswang will have bloodshot eyes. Your reflection in their eyes will be upside down. They have a weakness for bright light and a disdain for noise. Dogs, cats, and pigs with no tails are said to be Aswang in animal form and will usually be abnormally large. Scratching noises on the roof and walls are usually 
a signal and asks Wong is nearby. For centuries, Filipinos have come up with countless countermeasures to protect themselves from the Aswang. Different countermeasures are practiced by different cultures, each depending on cultural, religious, and symbolic significance. Some people hang garlic or use salt on windowsills and doorways. Then there are some people who use a special oil that is said to boil whenever an Aswang is nearby. The oils are made of indigenous ingredients in the Philippines like coconut, vinegar, local spices, and even urine. One way to prevent an aswang from entering your house is to reverse a ladder that may be leading up to the entryway. Because aswangs are known to feast on fetuses and cause miscarriages for women, there are various ways to protect the woman and her unborn child. The man of the house should walk around the house naked, waving a traditional Filipino sword called a bolo. Additional bolos should also be inserted between the spaces of the bamboo floors, so the aswang's tongue cannot penetrate from below the house. There are various ways to kill an aswang. Like most creatures, and many mythological creatures, the aswang can be killed by fire. An aswang can be killed by a knife wound, but not just any knife. Its most vulnerable spot is in the middle of its back. Any other area can be healed by itself using its long tongue. A bolo is the preferred knife, and it must be buried in the ground after killing the aswang. An aswang can be reduced to its weakest state by magical prayer. Once it's at its most vulnerable, it must be cut into pieces, with each piece thrown away as far apart as possible. Aswangs are repelled by garlic and religious artifacts, and they are at their most weakest during the day, when they are in their human form. They can be killed by decapitation or by being struck with a whip made from a stingray's tail. Many people believe that you may be turned into an aswang by a bite or a scratch or its saliva entering your mouth or ears. But if a person wants to deliberately become an aswang, they may do so by tying a fertilized chicken egg to his or her stomach. After some time, the chick passes from the egg into the stomach. Once this has happened, the remaining eggshell is buried in a bamboo tube along with coconut oil and chicken dung. The person now has the powers of an aswang. A dying aswang may also pass its powers along to someone else if it wishes. The aswang holds its mouth close to a chosen person, and the chick inside the monster's stomach hops into the mouth of the new person. A weird, but definitely unique way to become a monster. The Aswang was born out of Philippine folklore, with many of the stories of this evil and terrifying creature dating back to the 16th century. This is when Spanish explorers created the first written record of the monster. The explorers noted that of all the monsters in their folklore, the Aswang was the most feared by the native people. 
Even though belief in this terrifying creature has spread throughout the Philippines, there aren't many well-known individual stories. Instead, the Aswang's fame is built on a collection of first-hand encounters, and almost everyone who claims to have seen this fabled creature has a slightly different tale. The Aswang has made such a huge impression on Filipino culture that there are more than a dozen movies made and many more plays written with the creature playing the starring villain role. In 2011, a remake of the 1992 movie Aswang was made. This is a remake of the film starring Alma Moreno. In this version, two kids witness the murder of their parents and escape unwittingly into a town plagued by a subspecies of Aswangs called Abwak. Terrorized by the monster and the assassins running after them, the kids are helped by a mysterious woman who is also part of the Abwak clan. The movie, though a little dated, is a good watch if you are desperate for some Aswang entertainment. Seven years later in 2018, an American Filipino horror feature was made, also titled Aswang. In the story, while awaiting completion of a new house, a family stays in an abandoned mansion that is rumored to be the home of a terrifying creature. Though the plot sounds intriguing, it is almost impossible to find this movie on any platform to watch. If you really want to learn more about the Aswang, watch The Aswang Phenomenon, a documentary written and directed by Jordan Clark. It starts out by asking what would happen if a country of 97 million people were taught at a young age that the boogeyman was real. It then proceeds to explore that in the Philippines for the last 400 years, the Aswang has been used as propaganda and social control by Spanish colonizers, the Catholic Church, the Philippine administration, and even the CIA. You can watch it for free on YouTube. Between each of the 7,000 islands within the Philippines, there have been various and unique differences. With Spanish colonization not being over the entirety of the islands, the north has a vast colonial linkage, whereas the middle and southern regions have more ties to the pre-colonial Philippine past. Nowadays, the traditional and the vestiges of colonial times have fused together. With Americans and Japanese peoples coming to the islands, there has been yet further cultural transformation. After all these changes and in the current mode of transformation, the Aswang remained to be a common linkage among the Filipino peoples, a bridge for everyone to the core of what it is to be Filipino. An excerpt from the Grim Diaries reads, I arrived in the island of Philippines at Manila, May of 1904. After a long, arduous voyage, there I got a room for the night. That night, a pregnant woman was staying there also. In the middle of the night, I heard her screams and charged into her room. Seeing something escape from her windows, I gave chase and followed the figure through the window and then out into the street when I saw it turn into an alley that I knew to be a dead end. 
I snuck down the putrid alley, followed the fetid smell of death and blood. But it had been able to elude me and escaped. I returned to find the pregnant woman being tended to by a midwife who told me, and my peon, that somehow the fetus had been extracted straight from the womb. After the midwife was able to quell the hemorrhaging, the young woman regained consciousness. She told me it was an aswang that had caused the tragedy. She had been sold as a bride to be impregnated so that her firstborn may be consumed as a means for a prolonged, healthy life. Aswangs use their long tongues to inject chewed-up valerian root to sedate their victims as they attack. These attacks are often incorrectly diagnosed as miscarriages, and for the process to work, the fetus must be a blood relative to the aswang. After speaking with other locals about the infanticide, it seems to be that Filipinos aren't scared of much. The talk of ghosts and spirits do not shake them. However, it is only the aswang that will make them tremble with fear. I've also learned that the Aswang have an alternate name, Tick Ticks, due to the ticking sound they make with their tongue. The next attack that occurred in the town happened a few houses down, where I happened to be quaffing tankards, so I finally was able to track down the beast and cut off its head. The Aswang tongue seems to be infinitely long, with the ability to draw liquid through it. If the Aswang was more well-known, it might just be the most terrifying monster in the whole entire world. Corey had been sleeping soundly, but was awoken by a scratching sound. She sat up in bed and rubbed her eyes. Looking around, she tried to find where the scratching was coming from. It sounded like it was coming from the roof. Slowly, she climbed out of bed and walked over to the window. As she struggled to focus through sleep-fogged eyes, she thought she saw a large, dark figure fall from the roof of the house and land mere feet from her bedroom window. As she slowly started to make out the figure, she could see the outline of a large, furry head. It slowly turned to look at Corey, and what she saw was a thing of pure terror. It was a huge black dog, with large red eyes glowing as the light of the moon was shining into them. Cora yanked the curtain shut and ran back to her bed, throwing the blankets over her head. It seemed like hours before exhaustion drug her down into a restless sleep. The next morning, Cory woke up late. Her mom and dad had already left for the day. Her mom left her a note with a list of chores and a debit card in case she needed to order anything to be delivered from the store. Corey strangely felt uneasy being in the house alone. She decided that she needed her best friend to comfort her and to put her fears to rest. As Corey was about to give up on the sixth ring, Becca finally answered her phone with a sleepy voice. Oh, hey girl, what's up? Must be missing me pretty bad to call before noon. Corey almost started crying at the sound of her friend's voice. 
Becca, something really strange happened last night. And I think it has something to do with Althea, the girl next door. Becca was quiet on the other end as Corey told her about what happened after their swim and about the black dog that seemed to jump off of the roof. When she finished with her story, she waited for a few moments before Becca replied. Corey, has anything else strange happened recently? Have there been any other strange animals or reports of people missing? Corey thought for a minute. Well, other than the two huge black dogs without Thea, no. Wait, there was a lady from the other side of town who was attacked and bitten several times. Becca went silent again while she thought. Corey, was there anything else unique about the lady's attack? Corey told her the only detail she had left out was that the lady had been pregnant but had lost the baby because of the attack. This is not good, Becca said. Wait a minute. I'm going to get my laptop and look up the story. For several minutes, all Corey could hear were the keys clicking on Becca's keyboard. When the keys went silent, she knew Becca was reading. A few moments later, Becca spoke in a nervous voice. Corey, lock the doors now and make sure the windows are locked too. I need you to listen and trust me. I will explain when you're done. With her phone in hand, Corey ran through the house checking every lock. Becca was scaring her, but she could tell this was not a joke to Becca. Okay, everything is locked. Now tell me what is going on, Corey begged. I need you to do one more thing and then I will explain, I promise. Pour salt across the entrance to the doors and on every windowsill. Becca ordered with the authority that a true best friend has. Corey was now thinking that Becca was being superstitious and overreacting, but trusted her friend and was scared, so she did as she was instructed. Okay, Becca, there is salt everywhere. Mama's going to kill me. Now spill it. Becca hesitated, trying to find the words. My grandmother was born in the Philippines. She told me the story of a creature called the Aswang. It walks in the day, but hunts at night. It changes forms. It's a shapeshifter. And one of its most common forms is a black dog. Salt causes them pain and can kill them. It is the same with fire. They are super afraid of it. Are you starting to connect the dots yet? The Aswang feeds on the flesh of humans. They can seem kind and friendly, but if you anger it, you may be in grave danger. Corey, the woman that was attacked, I read the latest article. It said that she lost the baby, but the baffling thing was that the fetus was torn in half and there was no trace of the rest of its body. More scared than ever. Corey asked. You think Althea is one of those things? And, and Aswang? Becca, with a little hesitation, replied, I think her whole family may be.
Could this thing be real? If so, what was she supposed to do? She was home alone for the next several hours at least. Her dad always worked until after dark, and sometimes her mom would run errands before coming home. If she called them and told them this story, they would think she was crazy. With a shaky voice, she asked with tears starting to form in the corners of her eyes, Becca, Becca, what do I do? I don't want to be alone. Becca took a deep breath and sternly replied, We will stay on the phone all day if we have to. I will not let you go through this alone. True to her promise, Becca stayed on the phone with Corey. When their batteries got low, they plugged him in but kept talking. The day was growing late, and Corey was starting to feel silly, which gave her a false sense of safety. It was just about time for her mom to come home, so Corey reassured Becca that she would be fine for a few minutes while she scrambled to do the chores she had not even started. Okay, Becca said, but call or text me as soon as your mom gets home so I know you're okay. Corey had just finished loading the dishwasher when she heard the doorknob in the front room rattle. Guessing that it was her mom with her hands full, she ran to get the door. Without hesitation, she swung the door open, but stopped, just short of a scream. It was not her mom. Standing at the threshold of the front door was Althea and one of the big black dogs. Althea smiled. Not a friendly smile. It was more like a smirk. She slowly looked down at the salt line on the floor. So, Althea said, you figured it out. Figured out what? Corey replied. I don't know what you're talking about. Looking back up at Corey with the smirk on her face replaced by a threatening glare, Althea said, You can't stay in that house forever. Besides, we are so hungry and I want to finish my snack. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other shows featuring terrifying tales such as the Darkness Prevails podcast, which has over 300 episodes showcasing allegedly true scary stories from around the world. If you love the supernatural and mysterious creatures interest you, the Darkness Prevails podcast is the show for you. If you would like to submit yours or someone else's own scary encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to Carmen Carrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. 
You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Tune in next week as Freaky Folklore explores the Wendigo, an evil mythical Native American creature that craves human flesh. Until next time, stay safe out there because this world is a strange one. <laughs>